0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Raptors Community Podcast. I'm your usual host Anthony and today we're going to be talking about a bunch of different topics related to the Toronto Raptors. Let's start with the NBA announcing their all-star reserves because this ties into Fred Van Vliet being an all-star snub and I'm saying that with a grain of salt because he wasn't super close in the race. You know he's on the outside looking in of course but there are still other Guards in the Eastern Conference who I feel like got snubbed worse, a guy like Trey Young, for example. But let's go through the Eastern Conference All-Stars first. The starters were announced last week, and they are obviously Kevin Durant, Giannis, Joel Embiid in the front court, and Bradley Beal and Carrie Irving as the guards. And now here we're gonna talk about the reserves. This is the more important part, I think. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. James Harden, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, Ben Simmons, Vucevic, and Sabonis came in recently as a reserve for Kevin Durant, who is not going to be playing in the All-Star game due to injuries and other health concerns. The first note is that DeMontis Sabonis deserved to be in the All-Star game, no question about it. Nikola Vucevic, you can say everything you want, but he's averaging 24 points per game and 12 rebounds on a team that in the Eastern Conference, you know, they're obviously bad at 13th and 13 and 20 on the season, but he's the one guy who's been really solid and consistent for them and has just been putting up buckets and is having a career year despite the team's bad performance this year. So I think he does deserve to be in the conversation. I would have picked Sabonis over him in the first place. Obviously, he ended up getting in anyways, but for me, I think the the conversation from the guard position is that James Harden, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, they all deserve to be in there. No question about it. Ben Simmons has picked up his game recently. He's averaging 16-8-8 on the season, basically. And has been a really good player on the number one seed. So I understand him getting picked in. Some snubs you could think about are Tobias Harris. Uh, Between him and Ben Simmons, one of the two were going to be picked onto this team. So I'm not surprised Ben Simmons gets the nod being a multiple-time All-Star already. And, you know, it's just been an interesting year, to say the least. When you look at the Eastern Conference, and specifically, let's talk about Fred Van Vliet and the Toronto Raptors. They started off 2-8 and are now 500, and around the time that they were getting selected, they were also 500. I think they were 16-16 and 16 when the All-Stars got named, or at least 16-15, and 15, I believe, because they had ended up losing to Philly that night. So Toronto was above 500 and one of the top five teams in the Eastern Conference, despite starting off 2-8 on the season. So the fact that they started off 2-8 is a big reason why Fred VanVleet wasn't selected to an All-Star appearance. Pascal Siakam's been a bit inconsistent this year and didn't quite have the numbers to showcase that he deserved an All-Star. Maybe Kyle Lowry was in the conversation, but you know, he's missed games with a sprained thumb and some other injuries, the ankle as well. So he's been in and out of the lineup. But Fred VanVleet has been good. He also has the narrative behind him. You know, he had the 54-point game. He's been balling out. He just signed a big contract in the offseason for $80 million. And the way he's been performing this year so far makes it seem like he has room to grow. You know, just turned 27. He's just reaching the peak of his career right now, potentially his prime. And yeah, he's averaging 20 points per game and six and a half assists this year from last season, averaging 17 and a half. So not a huge jump. He's averaging the exact same number of assists as well, but... He has taken on a bigger role for Toronto, he's taking more shots, he's taking more load offensively, his usage rate is higher, so he's become a more dependable player as a starting point guard in the NBA, and is continuing to grow and show why he deserves to be in the conversation, and if Toronto had started off the season, instead of being 2-8, and if they had started off the season you know, 7-5, and five and continued along their current trajectory to a potentially 500 record right now. Then he would be in the conversation a little bit more because Toronto would have had a bit more success, but because the votes get tallied in over time, sequentially, you kind of lose those earlier votes for a guy like Fred Van Vliet, even though he's been coming alive now, and Toronto's been winning games with him at the head along with Siakam. The other thing is they kind of cancel each other out a little bit because Pascal Siakam has been pretty good this year, averaging a near 20 points per game. Same thing with Fred Van Vliet, same thing with Lowry. So these three guys are pretty good. You in one from one perspective, you can see them having three All-Stars, but you also see them having none. And that's what ended up happening. They ended up getting snubbed a little bit. I'd say Fred Van Vliet was the only person you could actually consider a snub. He's been really good for Toronto this year. But when you look at the guys who made it ahead of him in the Eastern Conference, like I said, Zach Levine, James Harden, Jalen Brown, they all deserved it as well. And they've been on pretty good teams. So I'm not against... The fact that none of them got voted in I'm actually pretty content with it to be completely honest let's now talk about some of the rumors that we've been hearing around Kyle Lowry this week one specific thing from Keith Pompey is that a source said Kyle Lowry would like to be in Philly the source believes the Sixers and Raptors might be able to get something done Toronto would most likely want some picks, young players, and veterans on expiring deals. We also saw a fake news report from an account pretending to be Joseph Zucker, saying that the Raptors and Sixers were close to finalizing a deal. Obviously, no deal ended up happening. And then later in the week, we also saw a lot of things come out. Lowry's agent denied these rumors. He said there was a story about uh, how... He's pushing to go to Philadelphia, but that's just not true. And there's some transparency issues there in terms of, um, you know, the original report isn't that he's pushing to go to Philly. He just believes that he would want to play in Philly potentially if he were to get traded. And that's still up in the air and probably a very probable thing considering that number one, his house is for sale here in Toronto. And number two, he's from Philadelphia. I don't see why he wouldn't want to go there in the offseason. He's there a lot of the time. But let's just address whether or not i think this will happen and there are three teams that have been coming up which are the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers and the LA Clippers. For the Clippers, they don't have the assets to make a trade, so let's just keep them out of the conversation. The next team that's i think could make an interesting package are the Miami Heat. They were not interested in putting Tyler Hero in a James Harden trade, which in my mind means they're definitely not putting him in a trade for Kyle Lowry. so Take their best asset off the table. Duncan Robinson is also probably not a guy you'd be able to acquire for Kyle Lowry. So take that off the table as well, just from what I'm hearing around the league. That leaves you with Precious, Achua, and maybe a pick, as well as cap filler with Olenek and Igadala as a potential trade package. And I think for Toronto, you'd be okay with that haul because when you look at their core moving forward, you've already got a good wing in OG Ananobi. You got another good forward in Pascal Siakam. You got Van Vliet at the head as a point guard. You got Malachi Flynn and Terrence Davis as a couple interesting young guards, as well as Jalen Harris, who's a bit bigger and might be able to slot in at the shooting guard position as a guy who can just get buckets off the bench. So, Toronto's got a lot of guards in their future that they can potentially work with. So, it'd be nice to add a guy like Precious who you can play at the five. He's a rim runner, he's athletic. It's a good fit for Toronto, and I would actually personally like this trade. As a Kyle Lowry fan, I don't wanna see him not in Toronto because he's just an amazing guy. (laughs) Like there's no question about it. He's the heart and soul of this team. You're lowering your ceiling of winning this season or at least going far. In an Eastern conference that feels pretty open. Boston isn't get hasn't got going this year. Obviously, Marcus Smart is injured, one of the heart guys on their team, but you know, with Jason Brown and (laughs) Jason Brown with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're looking like a really Solid team, but they're just losing games because they're not getting anything else from anyone else and Kemba Walker's been really good as well um obviously has been struggling this year, but he's been good in the past, so we'll see what they can get going there. I think they're still a very uh challenging team to play if you were to meet them in a playoff series, but you know with Miami being up and down this year is still definitely in the conversation and have a move to make going into the trade deadline as well as the Nets obviously being the favorite in the East, but the Bucks not looking great so far this year. It feels a little wide open where Toronto could win a first-round series if they have a good matchup, and then in a second round, you know, it's 50-50. So if Toronto does want to keep Kyle Lowry, that would increase their chances of going further in the playoffs. Can they win a title with this roster? Not really. So under that assumption, maybe it's a better choice as a Uh, a basketball team to make a move for him, get assets for your future, give him to a team like Philadelphia, who, you know, all these teams could use Kyle Lowry, you add him to any team in the NBA, and that makes them a better team automatically. Just because he's easy to fit in, he plays defense, he's a guy who plays with a lot of heart, he'll draw a lot of charges. I think he's a good fit on most every team. Miami Heat have assets, Philadelphia 76ers have assets, so let's talk about what Philadelphia could offer, and here's a potential package I've heard Getting floated around. So first of all, you need cap filler. So it's got to be Mike Scott. I want Tony Bradley because he's a young center, 23 years old. Put him in there and put in um, Danny Green as cap filler. You know, Danny Green back to Toronto. Why not? So that's your cap fill. And out of those three guys, only one really plays regular minutes, which is Danny Green. And you're going to be swapping with Kyle Lowry. And then I had Tyrese Maxey, who is a young guard who can potentially take the reins moving forward for Toronto he's shown promise and then a pick I think that's a really good haul and return for Kyle Lowry and for the 76ers you get to compete now you get a guy who is from Philly will likely sign longer term with them even though he's older he's got a Chris Paul feel to him even though Lowry's not quite as good as Chris Paul he's still got that feel he's a leader he plays good defense he can reduce your turnovers which is something that Philadelphia has always struggled with him this year is another one of the worst teams taking care of the ball and Lowry would definitely improve that you had shooting around Joel Embiid and you can feed him every time down the floor and you've got a big four of Kyle Lowry, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid the funny thing though about Kyle Lowry and Ben Simmons together is they've had some beef in the past they had a locker a scuffle where they were going to meet back in the locker room and you know hash it out but that never ended up happening You got the play where Ben Simmons elbows Kyle Lowry in the groin area and in the playoffs, right, I think that was game three of the 2019 playoffs second round series. Obviously, the game seven thriller that we all remember, but that's a play that also happened. So it'd be interesting to see those two playing on the same team. I don't know how it would work, but personally, as a Raptors fan, I would not want to see him go. But I do understand the intrigue of trading him if there's a possibility he leaves at the trade deadline sorry not the trade deadline but trading him at the trade deadline because there's a possibility he leaves in the offseason and this applies too for a guy like norman powell who's on the last year of his contract as well i would like to sign him longer term at 27 he's a good fit around this core as well as a six man coming off the bench he can play the two play a forward ish position as well if you're running a smaller lineup and he obviously provides instant offense for a team so there are probably going to be some suitors for him if you do want to trade him and try and build a bit younger than you currently are. Around Siakam, obviously, at 27, and Van Vliet at 27, you can start building that core with a younger core underneath it with OG and those guys, Malachi Flynn, obviously, and and build up this really good team that would be very interesting over the next 5 to 10 years. Now we're going to just have a quick segment where we talk about the Raptors' loss to the Sixers and Miami Heat. You know, as a Raptors fan, it's fine to lose to good teams. There's no shame in losing two teams like that, especially when Miami Heat were on a four-game winning streak. They're a good team. Philadelphia has the number one seed. They've proven to be one of the tougher teams. And Toronto beaten them the game prior. So they come back. They take care of Toronto. Toronto made it interesting near the end, but 76ers held control of this game. They got a big win. Obviously, Toronto ran small ball a lot in this game, similar to the game prior. And we saw Tobias Harris go from shooting one of nine to three of four from three. We saw Corkmaz hit five threes. So basically, the difference was they hit their shots versus not hitting their shots, and Toronto lost as a result. And then coming out of that, they played Miami, fifth game in seven night, seven nights. They were desperately tired. We did not see Siakam play in the fourth quarter. Obviously, he had a bad game: five points, four assists. Two rebounds in 24 minutes, shot one of six. Clearly, was gassed in this game, playing the five, having to guard Joel Embiid, and then coming back to guard Bam at a bio after a long game in Philly, too. So, Toronto ends up falling in that game as well. We got another good Cal Lowry game, a good Van Vliet game. Their backcourt was very good, taking care of the ball, but they end up falling in this game still 116 108. Another one where They kind of made a run at the end, but it felt like Miami pulled away right near the end. And there's no shame in losing to another team. Like I said, that's really good. Jimmy Butler took over in the fourth quarter and really gave Toronto the business. But let's talk about the most recent game on Friday because that's the more interesting one. Um, Obviously not going to talk about this long because it's the Houston Rockets, but Houston loses their 10th straight game, 122-111 to Toronto. This was a high-scoring affair. Toronto held them down a little bit in that third quarter holding them to 21 points but on the night they still scored 111 points they made it close near the fourth but this was the opposite where toronto obviously playing houston without christian wood can run small ball with no real risk of losing in this game no pascal siakam of course due to health and safety protocols uh we got a vintage kyle Lowry game with a triple double only took nine shots scored 20 points hit four threes had 11 rebounds 10 assists van vliet dropped 25 points Powell had a monstrous 30 point game as well. So those three guys showed a big. OJ Anobi was efficient in 28 minutes, scoring 11 points on 57.5% shooting on the night. Bembry came off the bench and was solid, hit four of his six shots and scored 13 points. And the Raptors were able to hold off Victor Oladipo, John Wall, and, you know, a bunch of guys who were just playing okay. And, you know, this team just doesn't have enough, not necessarily offense, but they don't play two-way basketball enough to get wins and that's why they've lost 10 straight games they were 11 and 10 at one point they're now 11 and 20 after losing 10 straight games and this team is definitely a seller at the trade deadline they're obviously got rid of and waived boogie cousins and that being said they're looking to build younger so maybe they trade John Wall and Oladipo potentially at the deadline John Wall makes so much money that it's hard to find a fit there for him, but a guy like Depot will be heavily coveted come the trade deadline. Let's talk a little bit about Boogie Cousins. All right, and let's just chat about how he um, got waived and if the Raptors should sign him. So in my mind, I don't think um, he's going to end up getting signed by Toronto. I think a team that's more of a contender will, will take a flyer on him, but I would like to see him in Toronto. He can shoot the three, even though there's a lot of questions about his personality and you know his fit off the court, I think on the court he would be good. He can pass the ball. He really helps Toronto with their fluidity. Um, a guy who can stretch out the floor is a little more versatile than a guy like Aaron Baines. So I'd like to see them make the move for him. And obviously a big body can help defend a guy like Embiid, help defend Giannis in a series. Obviously the health issues is a big concern, but you know Baines has been solid. But we need another guy who can be a big... Obviously, getting rid of Alex Len was a signal that we're either going to play a shit ton more small ball with Boucher at the cornerstone off the bench and Baines as your backup big to guard the bigs, right? Like a guard a guy like Joel Embiid, which he did a great job of, by the way. We have to give him a shout out for the way he was playing. He really balled out. But in my mind, I think he'd be a good fit. I don't think Toronto will end up signing him because of the off-the-court stuff, but in my mind, he'd be a nice addition to the Raptors squad. Last thing we're going to touch on is the health and safety protocol stuff that's been happening, and Nick Nurse obviously being out of the lineup, um, and a lot of the other coaches, and Sergio getting his first start as the starting head coach and getting the win for Toronto. That was big. Uh, we saw Kyle Lowry's funny post game interview where he had the ball and he said shit twice on live TV, which was pretty funny. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty happy with the way that they performed that game. They don't necessarily need Nick Nurse all the time but Siakam's going to be out the next 3 games going into the All-Star game. Hopefully everything's all right with him. According to health and safety protocols, he's just out. Maybe he's contracted COVID, we don't really know, but he's going to be out the next 3 games. So Toronto's going to look to get some wins against. I believe they play the Pistons, they definitely play the Celtics, and their upcoming game is against the Chicago Bulls. So the Raptors could easily go 3 and 0 or at least 2 and 1 in this stretch. No Siakam's going to be an issue, especially against Boston, against guarding a guy like Tatum, potentially he would be a good help guy to switch on to him, but you know, I believe in Toronto's ability to get the win against them. Siakam's never played, historically hasn't played well against the Celtics anyway, so that probably won't be a huge miss, but we'll see how they come out of it. If they come out 2-1, I'm fine with that. If they come out 3-0, I'm going to be ecstatic going into the all-star break, solidifying themselves in the top four. And just a congratulations to our team on being a top four seed right now with a 500 record, which is pretty funny when you think about it. In years past, the East has been a little stronger, but this year everyone's starting off to slow start. No fans really normalize the scores a little bit, and you can see that the teams are struggling. So for the Raptors, you know they're able to come back strong from starting off two and eight, and they're on the path to being finishing a top four seed. And I think they can definitely do it. They keep working hard, keep doing what they're doing, but. Thank you guys for listening. I'm going to try and do the podcast weekly like this where I talk about a bunch of the news that happens in the week. Uh, Next week they got three games before the All-Star break, so I'm going to talk about all of those. Thank you guys for listening.